This morning we're going to be in Psalms 127 and 128, and then next weekend we'll be in Psalms 139. Psalms 127. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for the gift of family that shows us so much about you. Lord, you know our families. You know our brokenness, our sin. We, you know how much we need your help in the area of family. Pray this morning that your people would feel encouraged. Lord, feel liberated. Feel hopeful in their family. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Family's God's design. God created family. He creates Adam, goes through his creation. It's good, it's good, it's good. Gets to Adam, it's not good. It's not good for Adam to be alone. Created Eve out of the side of Adam, the first married couple. They're enjoying relationship with God and relationship with each other absent from sin. Can you imagine? Could you imagine God showing up and doing your nightly devotional? In the cool of the day, God talking with them face to face. Not having the division of sin between the two of them. But this first family very quickly struggled. God told them to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yet Eve was deceived by Satan and Adam willfully disobeyed and sin entered their relationship. And very quickly you see the consequence of sin. Or what does Adam do? He does the the double blame game. God, it's the woman that you gave me. Blames God. God, if you wouldn't have given me Eve, I wouldn't be in this situation. Blames God and he also blames Eve. Who does Eve blame? Well, she blames Satan. No one taking personal ownership. Having to leave the Garden of Eden because of sin. Then have their first two sons. How hopeful they were with the birth of their two sons. But yet, these first brothers, murder enters in and Cain kills Abel. As you read throughout the scriptures, one thing that you're going to find is broken families. Just like ours. Just like ours. Every family is broken. Every family has sin. And every family needs the gospel. Amen? Amen. Family exposes our sin. Exposes our need for Christ. And the gospel is what we believe in order to be saved. But we don't stop there with the gospel. We need the gospel every day of our lives. Our spouses need the gospel. Our kids need the gospel. That Jesus died for our sins and he rose again. As we go through these two psalms, the theme is family life. But I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you experience hope and are liberated by God working in your family. I think there's things for you in this message. If you're single, don't tune out going, well, well, I'm not married. I don't have kids. There's nothing here uh, for me. And God has something for each of us this morning. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. If you're taking notes, there'll be four things this morning. The first is God wants to build and protect your family. In context of Psalms 127, it's all about family. When God says, unless the Lord builds the house, he's talking about your family. What's interesting about these two Psalms, you'll notice in the titles, it says, Songs of Ascent. Meaning that as they traveled up to Jerusalem as families and friends, they would be singing these songs together. 
So that's pretty neat to think about as they're preparing for worship. They would be singing and declaring this to the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. This is an invitation by God, but it's also a warning. God is warning us and saying, look, don't try to build your marriage apart from me. Don't try to parent your children apart from me. If you're single and you're you're desiring to be married, don't look to find a spouse apart from the Lord. God wants our marriages and our relationship with kids to be in his hands to allow the Lord to build it. There is the potential here that we can labor in vain. We can be trying to do things in the area of family where our heart is dependent upon our own effort instead of being dependent upon the Lord. And God waits for us to get to a place of humility and a place of of brokenness. We're saying, Lord, I can't do this apart from you. I need your help. Some of you have that testimony where you got to that breaking point in your marriage and you surrendered it to the Lord and saying, God, you've got to build this relationship. We've tried everything that we can do. I think God's always wrestling with us as parents to get us to the place to understand our kids don't belong to us. They belong to the Lord. And we have to surrender them to the Lord and be dependent upon the Lord. A lot of marriage books, Christian marriage books, and Christian parenting books seem to leave out the God factor. And what they do instead is they teach formulas So in your marriage, if you do A, B, C, and D, then this is going to equal a healthy marriage. Put all this pressure on us as parents saying, all right, really, it's all dependent upon you, all right? It's dependent upon how you parent, how your child is going to turn out. But we observe families, don't we? And sometimes we see kids that grow up in really healthy homes, not perfect homes, and they're in their adulthood, make their own choices. But then you also see some kids that grow up in a terrible family environment where you would think it would result in absolute disaster, but yet they make choices in adulthood. And so what does it come down to? There's a God factor there, isn't there? There's some free will that's there on the life of of the child. And so as we parent and as we engage in marriage, yes, we want to do what the Lord is asking us to do. But even after doing all that we can do, we are still sinners, aren't we? We are still deeply flawed. Let's be honest, we mess up a lot more than we succeed. And to trust in God, that God wants to build our family. If we place our trust in him, we're saying, Lord, I'm gonna allow you to build my family. Lord, I'm gonna allow you to watch over my family and protect my family. So for us to release that to the Lord, it may be a huge burden lifted off of your shoulders this morning to say, wait a second, I don't build my marriage? I don't build my family? Because what happens if it's as simple as a formula? Well, if you follow the formula right, it's going to lend itself towards pride. And you're going to find yourself in your heart thinking things, you probably would never say this, of, well, I'm sure glad we do it right. I'm glad that my, my wife and I, we do it right. I just, I just want to step back from you in that moment, right? Because pride comes before the fall. Or, man, we got this parenting thing figured out. If you've got parenting figured out, could I talk to you afterwards, right? <laughs> but that's the attitude. You start, 
start walking around like, I read the parenting books, I read the marriage books, and why can't everybody else get their marriage together? Why can't everybody else get this, this parenting thing together? And it lends itself to pride. But then there's the flip side of that, and when you do fail the formula, and we will fail the formula, amen, then we start feeling condemned. And we start going, man, I'm the worst husband on the planet. I don't even deserve to be able to go into church. I'm, I'm the worst mom in the world and uh, feeling all this condemnation and shame. So the healthy place for us to be able to live is in this place of trusting God. In this trust of saying, Lord, it's your goodness. It's your mercy. It's your faithfulness that's gonna build my marriage, that's gonna build the life of my children. So when things do go well, we're quick to be able to point out and say, man, it was the Lord. It was the Lord. The Lord is the one that has blessed our marriage. The Lord is the one who's blessed our children. The second half of this verse says that the Lord is the one who guards the city. And the watchman stays awake in vain if he's not trusting the Lord. When it comes to family, we really want to protect our family. But we have very little ability to be able to protect. We, the big thing now is the security systems ring. Ring has done a good job of marketing those. So where you've got a camera where you can watch your front porch. And it's pretty cool, right? Get to decide if you're going to open your door or not to this person. Has it eliminated boxes getting stolen? The Amazon Prime boxes from the front porch? It hasn't, has it? Does it really make us that much more safe? I, I don't think so, right? But it makes us feel a little bit more comfortable. And by all means, we want to do everything possible to protect our families. But at the end of the day, even after we have put all this effort into protection, if we're not trusting in the Lord, we're missing something. So yeah, try to protect your family, but trust the Lord. Trust Him to build your family. Trust Him to be able to protect your family. In verse 2, it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Again, this is in context of family, so this is our second point, is give God your sorrows and rest. Give your God your sorrows and rest. Family does give us a lot of material for things to worry about or be sorrowful about, right? For those of you that are single, it doesn't mean there's the absence of pain due to family. There may be pain from your parents and your siblings and your nieces and nephews. There's a unique pain that comes when a husband and wife are struggling in their marriage relationship. There's, there's a sorrow that comes when you're worrying about one of your children. And that doesn't stop when your children into, enter into their adult life. And before long, inside of this idea of family, here we are, and we're rising up early because we're worried. It's two in the morning, and we wake up, and, and we can't sleep because we're eating the bread of sorrows that has resulted because of family. We find ourselves not being able to go to, to sleep at night because we're worried about family. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. Part of living out Verse one, that God's the one who builds the family, God's the one who protects the family, is that we give him our sorrows, we give him our cares, instead of digesting them ourselves, and then the result is, is he gives his beloved sleep. 
God gives us sleep. Even in the midst of crisis and difficulty with family, to trust that over the Lord and enter into his rest. Right before I got married, I talked with my mom. Asked her, Mom, you know me better than anyone else. Could you give me some advice for me getting married? And her answer surprised me. She looked me right in the eye, didn't think twice, says, Eric, make sure you get your sleep. You're a real bear when you don't sleep. (laughs) And that's true to this day. I am a completely different person if I don't get sleep. I can maybe go one or two nights, but once I get past that, my whole perspective on life changes. I'm really discouraged when I don't have sleep. Like, it's the end of the world. Life's not worth living for. I mean, it's, just, it's just all downhill. I'm just, I'm Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I'm no fun to be around. Then I get a good night's sleep, and I'm like, oh, God's mercies are new this morning. Yeah, everything's great, and I'm optimistic. And the only thing, literally, the only thing that's changed is sleep, right? And God gives his beloved sleep. Sometimes we're worrying about things that we have no control over. And we've got to surrender those things to the Lord. And our Heavenly Father wants to give us rest. Maybe tonight is going to be one of the best nights that you've rested in a really long time. Because you've given it over to the Lord. Is it a prodigal child? Give it over to the Lord. Is there difficulty in the marriage? And you've tried to fix it and change your spouse's behavior? Give it over to the Lord. Is it this desire to be married and here I am in singleness? Give it, give it over to the Lord. Is there pain from the past and family? Give, give it over to the Lord. Surrender those sorrows to the Lord so that he can give his beloved sleep. We're loved by God. He's got it. And we, we surrender it to him. In verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Third point is this, is that children are a reserved blessing from the Lord. The word heritage means reserved blessing. The idea is, you know that you're passing away and you want to give a special gift to one of your children. You reserve it for them. You know what they would like. You know what would bless them. This goes over monetary things. This is a real personal gift, a blessing that you have given to them. And from God's economy, from from God's worldview, he reserves a blessing and gifts us with a child. So for us to be able to see a child as a blessing from the Lord. Anytime that there is conception, labor, delivery, it's a miracle from the Lord. When you really look at the science behind conception, it should never happen. The fact that you're here is a miracle of God. The fact that any child is here is a miracle of God. 23 chromosomes from mom, 23 chromosomes from dad, resemblance of mom, resemblance of dad. It's a reserved blessing from the Lord. So there's kind of two facets I want to look at this. And the first is, for those of us that God has blessed us with children, is to be refreshed in the view that they are a reserved blessing from the Lord. Because we don't always think that way. Unfortunately, we don't always view our children that way, through the ups and the downs of life. But from the long view of life, if we were to step back and look at, well, what's really meaningful uh, in life, 
isn't one of the greatest gifts to be able to have children. Like, I love being a dad. I'm so thankful that the Lord has allowed me to be a dad. I'm so thankful for each of my four children. I also really like being a son. I really enjoy my relationship with my dad and enjoy my relationship with my mom. And without the children that God has given to us, we would miss out on seeing something of the aspect of who God is. Like we're able to identify with the fact that God is our father because we have children. Oh wow, God, you love me in this way in a far greater way. So if you do have kids, no matter what their age is, pray that God would refresh you this morning in a view that they are a reserved blessing from the Lord, that they are a heritage from the Lord. If you have not been able to have kids, my heart goes out to you. Maybe it's not been possible, you've desired kids, and for whatever reason, the Lord hasn't allowed you to have kids. Or you're single and you're not married and you, and it doesn't seem like that's going to be in the cards. Man, my heart goes out to you because I know, I know that that is such a, a deep pain and pray that the Lord meets you in that. But please hear this. If you don't have your own kids, it doesn't mean that you can't be involved in the life of kids, right? Even though they're not your own kids, they're still a heritage from the Lord. There's a woman in our fellowship, her name is Jeanette, and she's now married, but when our kids were little, she was single, and I think she knew, she saw us with four young kids going, man, Eric and Amber could sure use a date night. And so for years, once a week, she came over to our house and watched our kids, wouldn't allow us to, to pay her. And our kids love, 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 love Jeanette, right? Because Jeanette didn't have to be mom. Jeanette didn't have to do the discipline. She just got to come in and spoil the kids and, and love on the kids and bless the kids. And if you look around, there's, there's a lot of kids to, to love on, even if they're not your own. And, and I, I know many of you in our fellowship, you, you've really done that. God hasn't allowed you to have kids, but you've poured yourself in the life of kids. But I also want to share what I believe to God's heart to young couples, young couples, and to say, do you see kids through a cultural view or do you see kids through a biblical view? Because what does culture say about kids? Oh man, your life is over. If you have kids, man, you can pretty much kiss your life goodbye. And maybe it's something that you do eventually, but it's more of a burden than a blessing. I remember talking with, with one dad and he was sharing about his adult daughter and his adult daughter was married, and her and her husband had decided to not have kids. They don't, they don't ever want to have kids. Not that they can't have kids, they're just not going to have kids. And I was like, well, why? Well, why, why, why did they decide that? And this was what he shared with me, is that his daughter has an allergy to gluten, and she doesn't want to pass that on to her kids. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Like, She's, she doesn't want to pass on a gluten allergy. Now, I know that that's no fun, and that's difficult. And I have a good friend that has celiac disease, and his life is much more complicated what he's got to eat. But, but come on, that's going to be a reason for I don't want to have kids? So here's what I believe to be God's heart. It's definitely my heart, is if you choose not to have kids— and you're able to have kids as a married couple, you're going to miss out on one of the biggest blessings that God wants to give you in your life. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. 
And I know this is crazy to young couples, but you're going to get old. (laughs) If you're in your 20s, like, you will get old, right? And hopefully you get to get old together. And one of the things as pastors is we get to visit people at the end of their life. And I got to tell you, it's their kids that are there with them at the end of their life. And your friends, they're going to get old too, right? So your spouse is going to get old. You're going to get old. Your friends are going to get old. I know there's a lot of encouragement here in in this. (laughs) But elderly people, it's not their friends that are helping them. Why? Because they're too old to help. (laughs) Or they've gone home to be with the Lord. Like there's going to be a point in your life where your life's going to start to slow down because you're old, And you're going to need your kids to come alongside of you and to walk with you. So pray about it. Just pray about it. And go, you know, have I been really adopting God's view on this? Or have I been adopting the world's view on it? Verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. God sees our children as arrows to be launched out into God's purposes a weapon that God can use for his glory. And it's awesome to see kids and grandkids know the Lord and serve the Lord and to be launched out into God's purposes. But we need to be reminded as parents, kids are not for us to hold on to. Kids are not for us to control, but to be launched out into God's purposes, to be arrows that are sent out. The end of verse four says, so are the children of one's youth. Again, this is not cultural. Cultural says, get your life all together, get your career all together, get your finances all set, and then, then think about having kids, right? And again, just my perspective for young married couples, parenting is a young man's game, all right? If you wait till you're too old to have kids, like, it's just going to be a lot harder because as you're older, And these little infants are waking up through the night. You're like, oh my goodness, you know, ah, right? So God says here, so are the children of one's youth. There's an energy that comes in youth. So as you're married, at some point you may want to pray about and say, this may not be something that we want to put off for 10 years. This may not be something that we want to put off for for 15 years. God says there's a blessing of having your children in your youth. Now, I know every family's different, and maybe you met later on in life, or this is not a judgment statement. This is just saying, look at what God's word says, and pray about it, and consider it, and could there be a benefit of having children in your youth if you're married, and you've got enough stability to bring the kids into the world. All older parents will tell you this, you're never prepared to be a parent, and you can never financially afford it, right? If you're waiting until you can financially afford it, it's probably not going to happen. I, I hate those articles that tell you how much money it takes to raise a kid from infancy to 18, right? Here's, here's all the hundreds of thousands of dollars it's going to take to raise a child, and that leaves out the God factor, right? It really it leaves out the, the God factor. When someone brings you a bunch of really nice clothes that their kid has grown out of, and you're like, wow, these are clothes that we would have had to buy, and it's just in the right time. It definitely leaves out the grandparent factor. You know, grandparents are really there to love and support their, their grandchildren. And so there's something to that of saying, so that the children's of one's youth. And for those of us that 
are older, I think we need to be careful that when we're coming along that next generation, that we're making sure to give biblical counsel. Sometimes we might see a young couple that loves the Lord, and they're ready to get married, and we're like, well, you should probably wait till you're 30. Yeah, you're like, you're 20. I don't know if you should be getting married. Like, we got married at 20, but that's a terrible idea for you, right? So, so just why don't you put off marriage even though you've met this godly person? And So maybe there's a young couple, and they're 24 years old, and they're like, you know what? I don't know if I'd have kids. Looking back, I just don't know if I would do it. And you guys are way too young to have kids, right? When God's word does point to a value of having children in one's youth. Have I given you a lot to chew on this morning? So, If you're not mad at me yet, just give me like 15 more minutes. <laughs> Verse five, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the, in the gate. Quiver is what holds the arrows. So in essence saying, again, how we view children, do we see it as a blessing to have our quiver full of children? God's gonna put it on each married couple's heart if they, how many kids they're to have. It's not like you, you've got to have five or you've got to have eight or you've got to have two or you've got to have one. That's something you pray about and you have, have God's peace. As you look through this and you go, man, I'm a single parent. Man, God knows. God knows that you're a single parent. He's going to make up the difference and continue to see your children as a blessing from the Lord. Continue to see your children as an arrow in God's hands. So Psalms 128 continues this theme of family. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Fourth point is that family life flows out of fearing the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. And the rest of the psalm goes on to talk about family. This is really key in family life, is get your eyes off of your spouse, get your eyes off of your kids, Get your eyes off of your grandkids. If you're single, get your eyes off of your singleness and get your eyes on the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is worship. The fear of the Lord is to be in awe of God, all of his attributes, his holiness, his power, his graciousness, his love. Everything that God is is to say, Lord, I want to fear you. I want to love you. I want to walk in your ways. So out of worshiping the Lord and fearing the Lord, then God, I desire to be the husband you want me to be. I desire to be the father you want me to be. I desire to live out singleness the way that you want me to. But we have to have our eyes first and foremost upon the Lord and fearing him. And as we're fearing him and walking in his ways, then this is gonna be a blessing to our families. I've shared with you guys uh, over the course of the last few years, uh, my dad's health. He's got Parkinson's disease. He's had it for eight or nine years, and then he's been struggling a bit with his memory. And this Thursday, I got to spend some time with him Thursday evening. Spent the night at his house. My mom went to a funeral out of town in, in Phoenix. And as I was just spending time with my dad and, and just having conversation with him, um, I'm so thankful that he's lived out Psalms 128 verse 1 that he fears God and he walks in his ways. And my dad's not perfect. No, no person is perfect. He, he's a sinner just like all of us. But he's feared the Lord and he's walked in his ways. And this July, my mom and dad, they'll be celebrating 48 years of marriage. 
They got married when my mom was 19. My dad was 20. They met in high school. My mom was 15. My dad was 16. Dad failed Spanish class, had to retake it, and met mom. And with my dad, it wasn't like growing up that he was always giving us a Bible study. It wasn't like he was always opening up the word and saying, okay, here's, here's family devotions. My dad's more of a quiet man. But what he did is he lived it out in his actions. And if you got up early enough, you would find him reading his Bible before he went to work. I saw an example from him of loving the church, of going to church, and church was important to him personally and being involved in serving in the church. He was faithful to go to work and work hard and be a provider for us. He was faithful in his sexual integrity. I never came upon dad looking at porn. I never, you know, found dad out with another woman or some email that he'd got because he was, was cheating upon mom. And because he walked in God's ways, then his words were valuable to us because we knew he was living it out. And me growing up, it wasn't like I always appreciated it, you know? I wasn't always thankful that he feared God and walked in his ways. But now as an adult with my own children, I'm so thankful that he did that. And it's a challenge, I think, for us to go, you know, this is what I believe and this is what I teach and this is what I I say, but what do I live and do I walk in God's ways? And a lot of parenting, it seems like there's a lot of emphasis right now on all of the verbal. These are all the verbal things that you need to do. And these are all the conversations that you need to have with your kids. And you better make sure that you're doing family devotions and all this and that. And I do think that there is importance with, with the value of the verbal communication. But way more so than the verbal is a life that is living it. A life that's living it, Right? of just walking in God's ways, being consistent. I'm going to fear God. I'm going to walk in his ways. I'm going to fear God. I'm going to walk in his ways. It has a huge impact upon our families. In verse 2, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. God blesses the labor of your hands. Part of fearing the Lord is we choose to work hard. And as we work hard and God's given us a job, provided that job, given us the ability to do that job, then what happens? Payday happens, amen, right? What do you do on payday? We all go to Costco on payday. That's what we do on payday, right? Lord, thank you so much so we could get groceries for the family, so we could get gas for for the family. And what verse two is saying is rejoice, be thankful, right? In those moments, Lord, thanks so much for payday. Thanks for providing that job. Thanks that we could go to Costco and get groceries. Have you ever come home from Costco and unloaded the minivan and seen all the groceries and just been like, thank you, Lord. Like, we eat a lot of food, right? God, you've been gracious to us and you've provided. We're here we are laboring and now we're going to rejoice in it. Some of you may never have the opportunity to go to Uganda on a short-term missions trip. Some of you may never have the opportunity to get up and give a sermon like this. And you may think, man, I go to work. I live kind of a quiet life. Doesn't seem very radical. I don't know if I'm having an impact for Christ. Man, you are having an impact for Christ. And men and women, 
As you are laboring to take care of your family, you are honoring God, and you're a hero in God's economy. You're a hero in my eyes. That was my dad, just faithfully going to work and laboring with his hands, living a godly life. This quiet, peaceable life that was glorifying to the Lord. Man, it's honoring to the Lord. It's glorifying to him. In verse 3, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. So as a husband is fearing the Lord and walking in God's ways, then that enables his wife to be a fruitful vine in the home, to bear fruit in the home, and her heart is in her house. Once again, this is not very cultural, but ladies, moms, single moms, married moms, thank you for your heart being in the home. The home is very dear to God's heart, right? Our jobs, they can always get someone else to replace us in our jobs. It's very humbling. It happens very quickly. Companies, ministries, they all move forward. They have to very quickly. But your kids aren't going to get another mom. Nobody else gets that title. Your kids aren't going to get another dad. No one gets that title. And when a mom's heart is in the home, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. And the enemy would love to tell moms, oh, it's not worth it. You're not needed in the home. And it doesn't matter what your life looks like in terms of if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a working mom or you're a single mom. That's all of the circumstances. But your heart of you saying, man, I am there. I'm there with my children. I'm there with my, my husband. And society, society is built upon the home. Society is going to collapse if there's no home. How many of us have a testimony of a mom who loved us? Even as an adult to know, I've got a mom who's in my corner praying for me. A grandmother who was, was there for me. Where, where would we be if it was the absence of having a mom, right? So don't let culture tell you that it's not important. I know you're going to hear that it's not appreciated, but the greatest job that's ever been given to you, if the Lord's blessed you with children, is being a mom. Amen? And so this verse is saying, as you fear the Lord and walk in your ways, then God's going to turn your heart towards your home, towards your husband, and towards your children. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't call you outside of the home, but your heart is there in the home bearing fruit. And then the children are like olive plants around your table. And I like this because God pictures children as olive plants, not olive trees. And olive trees live for generations. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they have some olive trees that they date back to the time of Jesus. So we're talking thousands of years an olive tree can grow. But children start off as olive plants. So please hear this in regards to children is... They aren't what they are now, what they will be in the future. As you're looking at a seven-year-old, you're not seeing the maturity of a 35-year-old. You know, as you're looking into the eyes of a 16-year-old, you're not seeing what they will be in the future. They're an olive plant around the table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Again, coming back to this theme of fearing the Lord and walking in his ways. 
The Lord bless you out of Zion, and you may see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, you may see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. If you have seen your grandchildren, you are blessed. (laughs) How many of you are grandparents? Raise your hands. You guys pretty proud of that? Yeah, awesome, huh? Awesome to be a grandparent. Awesome to see your grandchildren. Can I challenge you for just a moment? You're like, no, you can't. You don't have grandkids, right? (laughs) I know I'm speaking into a territory that I don't know by personal experience, but please hear me on this. You have the awesome position of being a grandparent, and you can leverage that to win your child's heart for Christ. You're able to love them in a unique way, and they're going to listen to you in a unique way because you don't have to be the parent. So make sure you're praying for them. I know you're praying for them. But then look for ways to invest in them. Make time for them. You know, pray about it and go, how can I be in my grandchild's life? If they're out of state, call them. Engage them through FaceTime. Engage them through text. Get on social media so you know what they're doing, right? Say, I mean, I want to be a godly influence in the life of my grandchildren. It's the greatest gift. It's the, the greatest opportunity. And I know sometimes it may be difficult and your child has some rules for the grandchildren and you want to kind of slap your adult child around a little bit like, hey, how do you think you got to this place? Like I raised you. But just put up with their rules. If they say, look, they can only eat gluten-free crackers, then just go buy gluten-free crackers, right? And and, and say, I want to have that influence in my grandchild's life. Timothy had that influence from his mom, Lois, but also from his grandmother. You know, how many testimonies of of grandparents? Make, Make that time for them and invest in them for godly purposes. So a few applications for us. The first is, Place your family into God's hands for him to build and protect. I think this is so huge and it's so liberating. But it's a day-to-day, isn't it? It's a day-to-day. There's so many ups and downs and joys and challenges in family. Don't trust a system. Don't trust a formula. Don't trust our own works. But trust the Lord. He's the one who builds and protects families. Give him your sorrows in regards to family life and then receive his rest. Are you holding on to a sorrow inside of your family and you're eating the bread of sorrows and worry? Give it over to the Lord and allow him to give you rest. And then for those of us that have children, to see children as a blessing from the Lord. For God to remind us that they are a heritage from the Lord. How can we daily try to communicate to them, hey, you're a blessing to me? Am I communicating to my kids, hey, you're a burden to me, or am I communicating to them that they're a blessing to me? Young married couples that don't have kids, you may want to go home this afternoon and start a family. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, God created sex. It's good. You might want to chew on this a little bit, but what are you waiting for? You're like waiting for the stars to align and just everything to, to be perfect? could be God's will to start a family. I don't know. Pray about it. And then for us to put our focus on the fear of the Lord, not to put our focus on our family. Our family was never meant to be our portion. Our family was never meant to be our salvation. For those of you that are single and you're going, man, I'm just mourning that I don't have my own family. Now focus on the Lord. Allow him to be your portion. Serve where God will allow you to do it. 
you're in the midst of a very challenging time in your marriage, put your focus on the Lord. There's difficulties with children, put your focus on the Lord. Worship him, fear him, walk in his ways, allow him to be first. So Father, we thank you so much for the gift of family. And you see all of our struggles, all of our sin, all of our shortcomings, and we thank you that the gospel is for families, that you died for our sin and that you rose again. So we put our families in your hands, God, and we ask that you would build them and that you would protect them and allow us to fear you and to walk in your ways. Lord, all, all of the families, Lord, would you bless them by your grace. For those that are single, Lord, would you, would you bless their family relationships? Would you encourage them? Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.